Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Are you hungry for adventure? Do you crave hilarious and perilous tabletop campaigns? Don't bother rolling perception, pal. We've got you covered. Behold, Dungeons and Doritos. Nerdy Show's epic tabletop audio drama. A cinematic serial of mayhem-filled, morally questionable quests at DungeonsAndDoritos.com. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBear here, and we are back for our final pop culture roundup of the year 2021. Where did this year go? It feels like this year flew by, but was also the longest three years on record. So some way, shape, or form, we all made it here. This is coming out, I think, New Year's Eve. We're getting this last one out right under the wire in 2021. Uh, So you may or may not be listening to this before the turn of the year into 2022. And if you are, Happy New Year's Eve. If you're listening to this in 2022, then Happy New Year. We're here and we're making noise in your ear holes. And we're going to continue doing it for as long as you allow us to do it. Or, you know, we feel like it. Whichever comes first. I'm being joined today on the west coast in the snowy seattle region by brian hello and then from the southeast uh barren hot wasteland that is orlando by bj burn with me and eric hello we are here to wrap up the year with some new topics and then uh instead of our traditional one-ups We are going to give our hot take on our favorite pop culture moment, item, thingamabob of 2021. Uh, 
So let's dive right on into it. All right, BJ, why do you not kick us off? That was the weirdest phrasing I think I've ever said to start the show. <laughs> do, do not kick you off. Why do you not kick us off? <laughs> why don't you kick us off with our first topic that we'll be discussing? Um, so Lin-Manuel Miranda, you beautiful son of a bitch, you've done it again. Um, I, uh, have been watching Encanto, uh, it's a Disney movie, it came out, I want to say, a little bit after things, no, it actually came out December, uh, actually, I actually have a topic that actually came out this month, um, <laughs> <laughs> mo- mostly on, it's just timely me- and relevant, ca- catching up on topics that, uh, that happened previously, um, I mean, no, it's all right. it's... Eric's Eric's uh, usually good for like three or four years in the past, so it's true. <laughs> He's. I was gonna say we need to get. Was it? Um, you were you were the bearskin rug for a while. I would say uh, uh, Eric should be the throwback bear. Um, oh, <laughs> I love it. But uh, but no, I've I uh, so I on a random whim went to go see Encanto. Uh, it was like. It was 11.30 at night. No one was in the theater. I was like, I'm going to see this movie. Um, just you and, and the Rona? It was, it was just me and the Rona. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even think the Rona was hanging out there. Um, <laughs> it's Florida. I'm sure the Rona was there. <laughs> I was I was bored. I went to Cheesecake Factory and I was like, I'm going to get this to go. And then I just ate it on the hood of my car, staring at the movie theater. And I was like... Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the movies. It's Wait a minute, this feels like a story similar to the last time. Was that what? No, wasn't. What was the last movie that we talked about? I mean, oh crap! The the last one because you told the story of how you went to. Uh, was it Shang Chi? Maybe Eternals. Eternals. Oh, that yeah, was the last yeah, one we yeah, did. Yeah, deep was, yes, it, almost the exact same thing with Eternals. I I did the you same thing didn't... with Eternals. You just didn't stick the cheesecake in your pants and then go to the the movie. You ate it. Ate, you ate it outside this time. Yes. No. I I didn't get a slice of cheesecake this time. Um. I was I was good. I was good. I was a good. Um. But no. I I went to go see Encanto. Um. I was thoroughly shocked. For a Disney movie, this is surprisingly dark. Um. And when I tell you, if you have a family, whether or not you're close to them or not, you will be gut punched so hard in the nuts you're going to cough them up. Um, Because I was like, oh, I'm going to go see a movie, cute music. I'm like, the themes aren't going to affect me that much because I'm kind of close with my family, but we keep a healthy, we keep a healthy distance. Um, And uh, yeah, no, I was a blubbering mess by the end of this fucking movie. Um, and the cast is ridiculously stacked. Um, if anybody watches Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, Stephanie Beatrice, who plays Rosa, she is the main character of this movie. Uh, she plays Maribel. Um, and this movie actually kind of made me think of how high it's like a Colombian version of how high where like you have a family of exceptional individuals, everybody has powers. And then you've got Maribel who has none. Um, and they're kind of labeled gifts or miracles in the uh, in the movie, and the soundtrack. When I tell you the music from this, the music from this movie caressed me and tucked me into bed and told me everything was going to be okay. 
like i mean every song banger every i, I can't even tell you every song i loved i mean uh lin man lin manuel miranda just fucking genius when it came to this movie um oh and then my personal favorite actor was in this movie who does like something but nothing alan tudyk played a bird of course he does of uh, course and, he does and i mean he's, I know... he's being typecast at this point as birds <laughs> he because he was, was hey in moana yeah, it was and it's the same production team i know that was for moana and frozen i believe so but like john lucasamo's in it um uh Wilmer, I'm going to butcher this name, Valderma, Valderama. Valderama, thank you, um, who played Fez in um, That 70s uh, Show. That 70s Show, and the actor that played um, Alex Wilder in Runaways, he's in it too. It's just everybody from everywhere is like in this movie, and it's absolutely phenomenal. Um but the movie does a really good job of exploring um, f- uh, familial trauma and toxic cycles. Um, it does a, re- it, and the thing is, if you're going into this movie, and this is something I'm probably going to do one of my why so, why so spicy takes on, if you're going into this movie thinking it's going to be a standard high stakes sort of Disney movie, it's very much not. It, it, everything is 100% kind of self-contained within the family and the house. Um, and I found that very refreshing, uh, cause I mean, we've had, we've had Loki, we've had WandaVision, we've got Dr. Strange Multiverse of Madness, we've got Frozen, Frozen 2, we've got Continents in Danger, Realities in Danger. This was a nice, uh, tap to the brakes on the insanity of like a lot of stories that are being written right now. Um, the house itself is alive, which is really, really cute. Um, casita. And no, yeah, it's, um, uh, have it, have any of y'all watched it at all? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. what did you think, Eric? I liked it. Um, I thought it was a very solid movie. It didn't speak to me the way Coco spoke to me. As, as far as, um, themes and, don't get me wrong this movie is great it's really well done the character design's fantastic the music is good it just none of the music hooked me the way like the coco music hooked me oh really yeah um i think the songs are good but i just can't after watching it i can't go back and think of any of the melodies really oh wow see the way the way i instantly could after coco yeah Maybe See, that's this... just because Remember Me was played like 15 times during Coco. Um, <laughs> and none of the songs really repeat in this movie. Um, yeah. Um, but I thought I... it was good. It made me emotional. Um, yeah. The house was probably my favorite character. Um, <laughs> yeah. How, how can you say that when Alan Tudyk is a bird? Like, <laughs> honestly. He's, no he's matter like a what. bird for all of like two minutes. That, that's, <laughs> that's fine. It. That's all that you need. That Oscar-worthy performance <laughs> right there. If he's not a robot, he's a bird. And I think that needs to be acknowledged and recognized by the Academy. It, it's so funny, too, because like I want to say Coco and 
Encanto are probably the first two modern Disney movies whose soundtracks I've completely fucking worn out. Like uh, La La Lorna um, from Coco, or La La Llorena. La Llorena. Um, th- that one I've listened to over and over again. <laughs> And um, we don't talk about Bruno is probably like out of those two movies, my two favorite, favorite songs. I actually hate Remember Me. <laughs> I think it's because <laughs> it was played like 50,000 times in the movie. Um, um, but yeah, no. Um, oh, Poco Loco was cute too. But uh, yeah. but no, yeah. The, I, w- I want to say A Shiny from Moana. So yeah, so those three movies are probably like the first three modern Disney movies that I'm like, I need to listen to this soundtrack. And the last movie before that was probably like little mermaid. That was the Lion King. No, I actually, <laughs> I actually don't like any of the songs from Lion King. Oh, uh, actually I take that back. How do I kick this man off this podcast? <laughs> How do I, do I, like, this? I like daily report from the Broadway show. Daily report what? was super cute, but that what was about like Prin- princess and the frog. Um, I, uh, the only song that really spoke to me was, uh, Almost There. Almost There was kind of cute, but, uh, all the other ones, eh. Um, I kind of liked, um, I see, I even forgot the, completely forgot the name of this one. Uh, it's the one that Dr. Fissilier sings. That one was okay. Uh, Strange, uh, Friends on the Other Side. Friends on the Other Side. Like, that one was kind of, but I think purely because of the voice actor, um, I think it had been literally anyone else, I would not have, like. I would have been like, eh, it's a villain song. But no, yeah, I th- I really think, um, like in Kanto, the entire soundtrack. I've literally been listening to the entire soundtrack. And then a uh, funny little uh, tidbit. So it's on Disney Plus right now. Um, it came out Christmas Eve, um, which was a quick turnaround. Uh, but it came out on uh, Disney Plus on Christmas Eve. And if you watch it with the subtitles on, all of the songs um, that are not in English, they actually translate all of the songs um, for uh, for you to see. So, like, I, w- I was watching this with my mom on Christmas Day, and when I saw the song Two Caterpillars, I was like, I need to be excused for a minute. And I just, like, curled up in the bathroom and, like, bawled, like, a little. My mom's like, are you in the bathroom crying? And I'm like, no, go away. I love uh-huh. that. Uh, so he said Lin Manuel Miranda. Did he do some of the lyrics for this? Because he didn't do the music. Uh, he did. But, 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 but he did. He, just... uh, he did a lot of the writing. He was. So I looked up the composer, and maybe this is the orchestral side. Yes, Jermaine. Yeah, orca- Jermaine Franco. Jermaine Franco is the composer, and she's actually done some cool stuff. She did uh, Coco, actually. So uh, yeah. some connective uh, DNA there. Uh, Dora and the Lost City of Gold, Little, uh, and some uh, bunch oh, wow. of Spanish language movies that I had not uh, not familiar with. So that's I had not heard of her. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah it, no, it she... says that all songs are written by Lin Manuel, and the score was composed by Franco. There it is. Yeah. Okay, so that's really yeah. cool because I mean Disney's worked with Manuel uh, before, but uh, I didn't know uh, how much you know. Like uh, Moana, he he was part of Moana. However, he did very little relative to yeah. what he originally intended. So. No, I love, like I love apparently you just became like super friends with him and just called him by his middle name. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> you have three names, names and you're like options. middle. <laughs> we're determined. Lynn. We 
we are determined to get a cease and desist letter in 2022, oh, ladies and gentlemen. Wouldn't that be publicity? It's, it's gonna happen. Um, no, but um, no, he. Uh, so apparently, uh, Bruno, one of the characters. Um, uh, we don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. Um, <laughs> they changed his uh, uh, Lynn. I see. I want to say his whole name. Um, say it but i want but i call my mom by her first name um, <laughs> we, we know all our listeners know this at least they should if they're not paying attention then maybe not but uh they actually changed the character's name um for the sake of just that song uh because i i can't remember his original name but uh he asked to change the character's name um so he could write that put that song in. we don't talk about bruno uh, mostly because it's we don't talk about Bruno. No, 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 no. Um, so, uh, yeah. So it was, it was, they gave him a lot of freedom, uh, uh, it seems like, for this movie. Um, and there's a ton of featurettes on YouTube if you're interested in kind of learning the organic side of how they made the movie. Apparently, they spent some time in Colombia. Um, the entire team did. I think that's usually what, what they do for a lot of the movies that are more diverse. Um, and speaking of diversity, holy shit, like every body shape, every skin tone, like it is beautifully done. Um, uh, Mirabelle's uncle Felix, um, has a big old dumpy and yeah, I, I can't not notice it. Um, (laughs) is this what led to the meme about Disney's, uh, butts? Like how, you know, it's a Disney (laughs) butt when it's... (laughs) pronounced when, it, when it's a dumpy that could be seen from the space station yeah um, okay it's honestly i see i need to pay more attention now um but uh yeah no i mean everybody everybody shape it's it's really really refreshing like frozen was kind of in that direction a little bit they did a little bit better with frozen too um but um moana um and uh, like Princess and the Frog had a lot of body diversity too. It's it's just really nice to see it done, uh, so so fucking well done. Um, so yeah. So if you anybody hasn't seen it yet, it's up on Disney Plus. Um, and the featurettes, you literally can just type in a character name, and like, uh, or you can just type in like Encanto featurettes. And I know there's one with John Leguizamo on on the character he plays Bruno. Um, there's one, uh, with, with Stephanie playing Mirabelle. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really, really good. Um, if you like, if you, it's definitely more, definitely a a bigger family movie. Um, so if you are interested in potentially bawling your eyes out like a little baby, um, or, you know, Dan, taking your dumpy out and dancing to some of the music in Encanto, (laughs) If you definitely, would like the music definitely. to caress you, if you want, if you want Lin Manuel Miranda's words to cradle you like a baby and tell you that one day COVID might in fact be over, and you believe him, then see this movie and listen to the soundtrack. <laughs> no, nah, I don't believe that ever. No, <laughs> I would definitely take the Lin Man Lin Manuel up on that offer for sure, Mister Miranda, Mister Miranda, if you're nasty. No. <laughs> LMM. We'll just call him L- LMM. Lum. Lum-m-m-m-m-m-m. 
<laughs> oh goodness, that's Encanto uh, now streaming on Disney Plus. Go check it out. I saw the commercial, not the commercial, the trailer for it. I think before Eternals, and it didn't Probably. quite get me at the beginning of the trailer, but by the end, I was like, "Oh, this looks cute." So, um, I will, I will have to check that out and uh, see if I ball like a baby, like BJ said, and and get cradled and caressed by the soundtrack. So, go check it out if you haven't. That's Encanto on Disney Plus. All right, let's throw it over to Eric. Regale us Hello. with your current topic. I love it. I know, so current. Everything old is new again. Um it's time for <laughs> Matrix to get resurrected um uh, from wherever it has been. Um I see what the you Matrix did there. Resurrection came out this year. I know, right? This month, Woo! no, last it came month, out right? like last week, Eric. Don't, it don't, was, yeah, don't yeah, bury your, enough, your right? timeliness here. This is fantastic. <laughs> um, I don't know. Since how it comes out on HBO the same day, it's it's weird because I can watch it at home and it's like different. I know, it's gonna be so sad next year when uh, all of those movies aren't coming out uh, at, on HBO Max the same day that they're released in the theaters. But this is a very meta movie. It is all up in itself <laughs> and the Matrix lore. Um, so the, has anybody else seen it yet? Oh, yes. Okay. Um, so it starts with um, Thomas Anderson being a game designer who designed the game The Matrix. The Matrix 1, The Matrix 2, and The Matrix 3. Oh, God. And, and is now being told by his bosses that he needs to make a new sequel to it. What's that sequel and called? Not Matrix, Res- uh, Matrix Resurrection. <laughs> Matrix 4. Yeah, basic. Matrix 4. <laughs> and, oh, and who's the parent and, company? Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it's all it up, it's up in itself, um, talking about, and they're having these big meetings about what made the first game so great and talking about, we need to, we need to find the new bullet time. Cause bullet time was the thing that made everything cool. And it's just so in up, it's in up itself. Um, <laughs> and I like I like the new actors they brought in. I like Jonathan Groff. He does well. Um, I like Neil Patrick Harris in the role he did. Um, I think they're both interesting. They found a good way to explain why Morpheus doesn't look like why Morpheus isn't Lawrence Fishburne anymore. Um, it's the same code. It's just a different skin on the code. Uh, it's a game Basically. skin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, but it was interesting to also bring back, um, shoot, what's her name? Jada Pinkett Smith. I couldn't believe that she got brought back. Like the character that she plays, <laughs> I know. which was her character in the third yeah. movie. Like, 
why do you need her to come back to play this? So, so we're spoiling some things here. Uh, I hope that's okay with everyone. Uh, that's fine with me. It's 60 years after the events of the last movie. So it's some time has passed in the real world in air quotes. So yeah, it's uh, Jada Pinkett does reprise her role as, uh, oh gosh, what was her name? Niobe. Uh, Niobe. 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 Yeah. Yep. And, and she's in an old suit now. Um, <laughs> an old skin. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> well, it's been 60 years. I mean, they say black doesn't crack, but it, it, <laughs> it sags it, a little. It like does it's... age. <laughs> it's all that talking about her uh, relationship with Will Smith. That's what, that's what it <laughs> oh is. Oh, my God, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, I think the movie overall is good. I feel some of the fight scenes are a little... Like when they were in that warehouse, it was hard to follow some of the action. And I think they just tried to make it extra for extra's sake. Like they're just they're just trying to one up themselves so much from what they did before. And it just gets a little crowded. Um, but it, other than that. It- was it a better fight scene? Was it a better Matrix fight Matrix fight scene than the third act of Malignant? I did not see Malignant. I've never seen Malignant. So there's there's a the third act of Malignant goes completely off the rails in like the most hilarious and worst way possible. At one point, the main like villain of Malignant proceeds to murder an entire police precinct. And they're wearing a long leather coat, and it's pretty much a Matrix like fight scene. Like it's more Matrix than the original Matrix. It's insane. Like <laughs> bullet time, side flips, kicking desks and the other people. It's absurd. Absolutely well, absurd. The, I will have to send it to you guys. The problem with Matrix Resurrections is that in some ways it's a it's a victim of its own success, uh, the series <laughs> success, I should say. Kind of like Dune mm-hmm. is a victim of the fact that it was so influential on a lot of other movies and genre because everyone has copied The Matrix at this point. So the only way to make this new Matrix fresh, I think, was to get meta. And I honestly think that's the best part of the movie. The best part is the early meta stuff playing it's it's very funny but not like a comedy but it's very good satire and very on like just spot on but the fight scenes i just don't think they even scratched the good kung fu that you saw in the original movies i just think it's underwhelming that the only part and i will spoil this eric i don't know how much you love the this part but towards the end as the um the world is coming alive with everyone swarming because they added this concept that I guess before in the previous movies, uh, agents could possess people and turn them into agents. Well, now they don't turn them in. They just sort of take control. And you see this little effect in their eyes that looks like the Matrix code, which was really shitty, honestly. I'd rather them just have the face of Jonathan Groth because I think that's kind of funny and ridiculous. But uh, <laughs> who, by the way, plays Agent Smith because I guess Hugo Weaving was uh, not available, unfortunately, because they did want him to come back. And then they're like, ah, you know what? We'll just recast. Um, he's code. It's fine. But like they swarm and they're chasing after Neo and Trinity. 
because that is Trinity and Neo's relationship. Honestly, if 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 Matrix Resurrections Ma- Matrix Resurrections is much a satire, it's also a romance or a kind of like a a love story. I guess more love story and reconnecting after many years of being apart. Whatever, like they get back together. Spoilers again. And they're running away and they're like, they're driving on like a, a Bucati because, you know, Trinity is really into Bucatis. Or whatever. Anyway, uh, <laughs> they start dive bombing people out of their apartments on high rises and they just like dive bomb. And so you just see this crowd yeah. chasing after them oh and, and all these cars driving at them and helicopters and all this crap. But then like people just, and they actually have a scene where they show this guy who's in bed with his like girlfriend, wife, whoever. And he's like possessed and he just jumps out of his window. I mean, like that's the most ridiculous this gets. Honestly, the rest <laughs> is kind of underwhelming. I don't know, Eric, was there any other like moments from the, I did like the train scene on the way to Tokyo. I think that was pretty good, but not again as I, yeah, oh. it, w- it was okay. I think, I think um, when Jonathan Groff first comes, first reveals himself in the warehouse, and I think just his presence as Agent Smith is really well done. Um, you kind of just, you feel that. Um, and I think he did really well. It's, it's, Keanu is doing as well as he can. He's, I mean, it's been 20 years <laughs> and I don't think he's been doing Kung Fu the whole time. Um, so it, I feel like they're relying a little too much on his Neo powers as opposed to him actually being able to do the Kung Fu. Um, I like the character of Bugs. I think she's good. Um yeah, overall, I th- I think it's better than the third movie, but I don't think that's a far <laughs> too far too. Uh, <laughs> What'd you think Ross. of the Mer? Did you recognize the Merovingian or the Merv, the, the crazy French guy? Not, I mean, through, throughout that scene, I w- I realized, oh, that's who that is. Once he started talking French. Um, yeah. It was probably the most gratuitous, ridiculous reference to the second and third, because I think he shows up in the second movie, and he's this cool, like, aristocrat outside the system, but he's still a program, and he's all suave and has this beautiful wife and all this crap, and then they throw him in this scene, and he's a complete bum, like, he's just completely just, just destroyed, and talking and if you listen to what he's saying he's basically like it's not even satire it's just direct like shit talk i think he says like wiki piss zucker face (laughs) shit or no zucker face (laughs) suck like so much of this movie is a is an attempt to satirize the culture that has grown up around uh and grown from and influenced by the matrix and a little bit i read a great article about this i think alana wachowski uh was interested in trying to sort of pull back the red pill from the conservative right. And not in an overt way, like, Oh look, no, Hey idiots. This does not mean your shit to get, you can't have this, but rather to kind of go back and say, you know, the red pill isn't necessary. It's not about, you know, taking it, taking, choosing reality. It's the choice is yours either way. You don't have to go and, you know, take this thing that somebody is offering you, you can just do it yourself. 
And so it's less about, you know, accepting this other narrative and seeing reality. It's more about you just looking through the system and seeing reality. So I, I don't know that it was as effective if you're trying to take that away from them. But at the same time, I think that had been bothering her a lot. Um, Eric, did you stay for the end credits? Did you watch the scene at the end? No, there's something at the end. Yes. <laughs> Oh my God, it's so dumb. So, you know, Marvel has made a big thing about after credit scenes and it's all, it's usually, I should say usually very serious and it kind of portends to what's coming, right? In this movie, there is this whole workshopping scene, which is cool because if you've seen Sense8, Pat, I think you'd enjoy this. Uh, a lot of Sense8 characters come, or actors come back, including Doctor Who's uh, Martha, Um What's her, I cannot think of her name to save my life. Um, uh, Freeman, Freeman. Thank you, Freeman. So, so they're workshopping ideas for Matrix Four, and this is like early in the film. So, you know, this is before Neo becomes Neo, and yeah, yeah. So, um, they're, they're workshopping about what the Matrix is, and that's also where there's some good satire because someone's like, "Well, you know, the original was like, is it about trans politics and crypto, blah blah blah?" And and then you know, somebody's like, "No, don't, no, that's not it." Like again, Lana is completely. No, it's all about just guns. It's just about guns, right? And well, guns, and it's great. This is this is why that first part of the movie is so good, and even the stuff like you said with Neil Patrick Harris, Harris character, the analyst is is just that stuff is interesting to me. The the fights and just the rest is just kind of eh, you got to do it, but um. Yeah, so uh, the end credits show them back to the workshopping, and they're all talking ideas. And one of them's like, "What if the, what if it's about cats? What if the fourth fourth matrix is all about cat memes? We could call it the Catrix. <laughs> it's totally dumb and superfluous. And again, I think it's Lana basically sort of going, you know, all the shit with Marvel and all this, which people love to make fun of and do a lot of stuff about now because it's kind of the, the big thing, right? But like, it, it, it's it's dumb. It's a throwaway st- scene. It's it's just, it's more to the point. Uh, I also uh, read an interview uh, with one of the producers, not Lana, because I guess she doesn't do a lot of interviews, but uh, this other producer, uh, McTeague, I think is his name. He's done movies of his own. But he always partners with the Wachowskis and done a lot of stuff with them, including Sense8. And basically, the interviewer was like, "Are so is this set up a new sequ- a new sequel trilogy? You know, what's what's next? What are you doing?" And he's like, "You never say never, but honestly, there is no intent here to set up a new franchise whatsoever. It is not about like resetting everything for a new generation. I mean, it could. You certainly could have somebody do that, but literally, this is Lana." having all of these people asking her for or asking her and her sister for a new movie to extend the franchise. And she's like, you know, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And then she had a really tragic event in her life, the death of her parents and just needed something and, and just had this idea for this, this sort of meta, you know, satire uh, of the, of the series. And it came fully formed. And so she hired some writers and they worked it out. And I think that could be it. I mean, honestly, it ends the way the first movie ends. So if you've seen the first, I mean, we've probably all seen the first movie. Although I, I did talk to someone the other day who'd never seen The Matrix. And I was like, what? Uh, it kind of blew my mind. I've not seen any of them. Oh, wait, maybe it was, no, it wasn't you. But yeah, some, I, I like, I just, it was so formative for me, you know, in the 90s, I think late 90s, right? Or early 2000s. Uh, and so many people in, in my age group. But um, anyway, yeah. The, the it sets it up it's just a free world now they can do whatever they want um you know we'll probably see another one but there's no plans right now so 
You yeah. know what's funny is that that meta that sort of meta commentary when it comes to to older franchises and stuff. That same thing is kind of what's what keeps is keeping the uh, the Scream franchise up and about. Because like honestly, I loved Scream Four. Scream Four was like the for that time was the perfect commentary on the sort of streaming. It was like the right. It was like the beginning of streaming culture and everything. So I'm really everybody's really excited for what they're doing for Scream Five, because um, like I I thought to myself a long time ago I was like when they announced that they were doing another one I was like do I really want another one and then when I thought about it I was like it's a really good vehicle for like social commentary especially in the realm of like horror and like showing off stuff so no that that sort of meta commentary and like self-referential commentary can actually work for a lot of properties. Well, there you go. So Matrix is uh, currently streaming and in theaters on HBO Max if you have it. We forgot to do this for Encanto, but we'll start with uh, Flame Ratings, Brian and Eric for Matrix, and then Eric and BJ. I'll give yours for Encanto before we move on. Uh, for Matrix Resurrections, I would give it, um, I guess a three out of five flames. I'm going to go with for a couple hours. I'm going to go with 3.75 and only the 0.75 because of the meta commentary, uh, the action and stuff was the, definitely the detriment. And by, and by the way, also Keanu can't act. Let's just all get that out of the way. Keanu, he, he's <laughs> no, just stop. Like great person, love him, but no. Whoa. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's, that's the extent of it. Yeah. Uh, Eric and BJ for Encanto flame ratings. Um, Encanto, honestly, I would give it probably a 3.5. And I'm only taking off a point and a half because it made me feel feelings, and that's gross. So, <laughs> no, I was like, you just sitting here like I'm giving it like, one and a half star or one and a half flames. <laughs> the music, I am worn out, and it's rocked me to sleep every night. But one and a half stars because I cried. <laughs> I'm taking off one point one point five for making me feel things. <laughs> Eric, I'll give it you? a four. I'll give it a four out of five flames. It's really good. Okay. People should watch it. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, we'll dive into my topic real quick. Don't have a ton, ton to talk about with it. And uh, our final uh, topic, I think we all can chime in and have a little bit more to, to chat about. So we'll save that for after uh, we break for station identification. But I watched both parts of Masters of the Universe Revelation. Masters of the Universe, colon, Revelation, is an American animated superhero fantasy streaming television series developed by Kevin Smith and produced by Powerhouse Animation Studios. It's a sequel to the 1983 to 1985 series He-Man and the Masters of the Universe by Filmation. The plot of Revelation explores unresolved storylines from the original 1980s series. Netflix released the series in two parts with five episodes debuting July 23rd, 2021, and five additional episodes on November 23rd, 2021. So with that being said, uh, yes, this is created by Kevin Smith. So, you know, uh, it's down to be fun. You have Chris Wood as Prince Adam slash He-Man, Mark Hamill as Skeletor, 
Liam Cunningham as Duncan slash Man at Arms, Sarah Michelle Geller as Tila, Lena Hetty as Evil Lynn slash Majestra, Diedrich Bader as uh, King Randor and Trapjaw, uh, Alicia Silverstone as Queen Marlena, uh, Stephen Root as Cringer, Griffin Newman as Orko, and uh, so forth and so on. This cast is redonkulous. Uh, oh, let me, I got to mention because I didn't realize it was him. Henry Rollins as Triclops and Justin Long as Roboto. And uh, yeah, the list goes on. Kevin Smith actually also um, voices Goatman and Pig Boy. And Danny Trejo is Ram Man. Like, legit, <laughs> this voice cast is ridiculous. And uh, it took me a little while to realize that Mark Hamill was Skeletor. And then as soon as I realized it, I was like, oh, okay, I hear the Joker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you which... know, for me, for me, it was when he did the when he did the weird regal things with his voice. Because, like, he'd be talking to Evil Lynn and he'd go, sorry, my dear. And I was like, that's Mark Hamill. Why did that make me th- like, and then once I realized I was like, there are just parts of his voice that I was like, okay, I can hear the little bit of Joker bits. But at the same time, when he would do that weird, goofy, royal, like we stuff, th- immediately I was like, oh yeah, that's Mark Hamill. I'm okay with this. <laughs> I did not realize that Marlena was Alicia Silverstone until they had her say, as if and then Thank i was like you. okay I'm, I'm done i'm done like 90s heart <laughs> fully filled with uh nostalgia right there as i'm watching a revival of an 80s cartoon you know whatever uh <laughs> so i i we talked about this as a one-up back so it premiered in july so this is probably what june we were talking about we, we talked about this trailer and when the first part of uh the show came out i didn't watch it like it just it kind of fell off my radar um and then a friend was talking about it at my uh tree trimming party because the second set of episodes had come out and i was like okay you know what i need to watch this like i gotta go i gotta check it out we've talked about it i want to see this and then the first episode happened and they killed he-man and i was like oh <laughs> oh okay this is how we're playing this game and this is basically a tila story which made me even happier because as that little gay boy that did not know what any of that meant tila and sorceress and you know like those were those were the the ones i i gravitated to just like with gi joe i was very much a uh a scarlet and lady J uh type of little blossoming homosexual <laughs> so to have a tila story really be the central focus of this show was really fucking cool it definitely it played on all of the nostalgia it played on because this was this is a direct sequel to the 80s cartoon you know so years have gone by stuff has happened you know there it's not it doesn't seem like they put it too far in the future, far enough where they all are kind of coming into their own. Tila's being, um, I was going to say knighted. That's not the right word. I guess promoted into a man, man at arms position. Um, so it picks up, you know, picks up after the original series left. And to watch them kind of explore these new but revisited kind of 
plots was really cool. You know, Kevin Smith and uh, team did a great job on putting together a a pretty stellar story, and it was fun to watch. BJ, I know that you have watched. What did you think? So this show gave the gays everything they wanted. Actually, you know what? I take it back. This gave the she's, the he's, the they's everything they wanted. Because honestly. And the fisting it, community. I'm the, just saying. I, I was going to say. It gave, it, gave the kink, it gave the kink and the queer community everything they wanted. Are you a monster fucker? Then don't worry. All the beast creatures are here for you to fuck. Um, are you in the fisting? Fisto's here at least for five minutes. Um, I mean, but just... not even just that. The fact that he, the fact that they included the line, "I'd like to fist him." I was like, "Really, really?" I was. I mean, I was, I was excited because that's just amazing that it was if, even included. If, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a man that wants mommy to step all over you, well. Evil in gets the power. So let me tell you, she swole and she has. She does not give any fucks which i gotta say i love her character development more than anybody in the show um and i will say one issue i had i don't like orco with pupils it bothered me it was creepy it was unnatural it was weird i would rather him just have empty eyes because the little the little pupils i don't know why i mean and it's not even a thing because he didn't have them before like, to me, before, Orko was just this lovable magic goofball. And now I'm like, is he going to grow claws and scratch my face out? I don't know. I don't like that. I don't like I don't like it. I'm like, what? I, and as soon as he appears on screen, I'm like, no. No, what is this? Who are you? I was like, it's no. <laughs> but um, But honestly, it was, I enjoyed it for... Especially since they have uh, they have a remake of He Man, a CG remake of He Man on um, also on Netflix right now, so it was really weird. I was getting like alerts for multiple He Man series, um, but no, it was I love the development for everybody. Um, you got to see some of the goofball villains kind of like off to the side. Um, you got to see Skeletor kind of get what he wants. Um, I love, I love Skeletor and Adam's chemistry so much in this show. I really just want a show. I want like a modern version of the show from the beginning now with Mark Hamill as Skeletor because him just constantly like ripping on Adam and Adam just like being a nice guy and it bothering him to no end. Uh, what was my favorite line? It was uh, Evelyn's just like, are you here armed with niceties? And Skeletor just going, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> this sort of like the characters act like they've known each other for such a long time. And it's hilarious just because like at some point you like, I think Evelyn even makes the comment like you don't want to kill him because what would you do afterwards? That's like the only thing you want to do. And she's like, you don't have anything else going for you. And it was just this wonderful moment of like, the fuck? Um, or uh, what is it? Uh, <laughs> Skeletor's like, um, what are we going to do? Walk up to her and ask her nicely to please stop destroying the universe? And Adam just looks at him and he's like, 
Oh we my are, God. aren't we? We are, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, but yeah, just that chemistry with the characters, because the thing I love about not really like soft reboots is when you take the history of the characters and you make sure you don't like, you don't treat the audience like they've never watched the show. You just go right in with all of that history with all the characters and everybody's just kind of like, well, Skeletor is at it again. Like, you know, so, um, but no, I like, I really liked it. I, um, I want to, I want to know what part specifically Kevin Smith wrote because <laughs> there's other writers involved, but I want to know exactly what he picked out because <laughs> I feel like, I feel like the super nostalgia bits are probably him. Um, I feel like the fisting line was him. The fisting line 100% was him, but I'm like, one, uh, but like uh, anything Evelyn said or um, like any snarky comments, I feel like wasn't him. I feel like that was somebody else and I want, I want to meet that person. And uh, he was responsible for the as if being included ah. in the, in the show, because in addition to the 10 episodes of the animated series, they, there is also a Masters of the Universe Revelations Revelations after show. <laughs> and it's hosted by Kevin Smith and um, a couple of other people. And they talk to a good chunk of the voice cast. They talk to uh, Lena Headey. They talk to Chris Wood and uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, Diedrich Bader, um, Alicia Silverstone. And he was the one, like, he, he asked her he was the one that was like, can you please do this? And she obliged. And we got the, uh, the lovely clueless reference in, uh, in masters of the universe. That was just, that, that, that was great. So if you haven't watched that, watch it. It's two episodes. One, I guess came out after part one and one was released with uh, part two, but I watched them both back to back after I'd watched the, uh, the whole, the whole series. And it was, it was entertaining and a great way to see kind of how all of this came together. Do you know if they're going to do a part three? Because that end credit scene in part two. So apparently it has neither been greenlit for a second season nor canceled. The other He-Man and the Masters of the Universe has been um greenlit for a second season so i don't know usually netflix doesn't take that long it's either pretty quickly renewed or not and they haven't said anything either way i'm hoping i would like to see more of this because they did a damn good job and to your point bj they really for a show that's been off the air for 30 plus years they really did just drop you into it and say okay if you're here you have the nostalgia. You know what's going on. Let's just fucking run with this. And they kept that story going. And then they would do little flashbacks to kind of adventures. Okay, and it's been a long time since I've seen He-Man. You know, the the 80s cartoon. But some of these... And of course, it, it had to do with, you know, the objective or, or kind of the, the plot of the episode it was in. But they would do these flashbacks and have like... Um, when they were fighting the mermen and you know, all of these things that would happen to kind of fill in some gaps and to also include He-Man in the, in the cartoon because for a good chunk of this, he's dead. So they <laughs> do these flashbacks and have these adventures and they kind of show all of this stuff. And then 
you know, to tie Tila to Sorceress and then essentially make her the new Sorceress, but one not bound to Grayskull. Like, yeah, I want to see more of this. I want to see where this is going to go. And I want to see what shenanigans they uh, they can get up to with uh, with these story writers putting together these, these plots for it. Anybody else? So besides BJ, I'm kind of looking at blank faces. No one else uh, watched this yet? I saw the first half Okay, when it came out, but I haven't watched the second half yet. Cool. It's, I mean, it's the good thing about this is it's only, what, probably about five or six hours total because each episode is roughly about a half an hour. So with 10 episodes, you can knock it out pretty quickly. Uh, I think I did it in one day. Because, you know, when you just start pinching things, it's easy to get swept up and uh, and watch a lot in a short period of time. I mean, I've watched three seasons of Lost in Space in the last couple of days. So, you know, those things happen. But it is, uh, it is a quick watch. It's an enjoyable watch. So if you have Netflix, I highly recommend Masters of the Universe. Um, I haven't watched He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, so I can't recommend or not recommend that one. But I do highly recommend Masters of the Universe, uh, brought to us by Kevin Smith. All right, dear listeners, we are glad that you are here with us and wrapping up another year, entering into a new year as well with us. Why not, while you are listening to our show, head on over to our website, flameonshow.com, where you can check out our YouTube videos, including a lovely playlist right on our website of the Rainbow Spotlight interview series that Brian was doing. And uh, maybe coming back, uh, I know that he has some plans for interviews in 2022, as time allows. So check that out. You can check out our Threadless shop. You can also check out our Patreon page, where you can join us at any one of the four levels that are available and uh, become a, you know a member of our little Patreon community. So you can do all of that by going to flameonshow.com or just go directly to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash flameonshow. We'll be glad to see you there. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, let us talk. Our fourth and final new topic. Brian, what are you chatting about? So I have not been to the movies in some time. Well, since Dune, at least. 
mm-hmm. a lot of people are very excited about having gone and seen Shang Chi and the Eternals, and before that, even Black Widow. And uh, most recently, I, I was very jealous of everyone seeing Spider Man uh, Far from or No Way Home, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I am a good person who will not go to the theater again right now. So I, I, I have avoided that and I have been very sad. But I have had a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No shade intended here. No, no, I'm jealous. I'm honestly, I'm jealous. Um, I was like, is he just, just find a all show where just <laughs> find a showing where there's like nobody. Yeah. Has bought yeah. tickets. It's so easy That's to do did. that. There's a website for that, right? I don't know. Yeah, there probably is. should be. If there's not, it's a great business opportunity. <laughs> if you, theaters do reserve seats now, so you can see what how many tickets have been sold. Yeah, and you just go to late showings. That's what I did for Black Widow, Shang Chi, and Eternals. Uh, no Way Home is the only one that I actually was in a crowded theater for, where I was like, I'm excited and possibly getting you know COVID <laughs> as I'm watching this movie. <laughs> Thankfully not, but that was the only time I was like. There are way too many people here for my comfort level. <laughs> I'm hoping that it's going to be out on video very soon because honestly, it seems like the the time between release and uh, um, the when it comes out on the, the streaming services particularly is this much shorter than it used to be until it came out on Blu-ray or whatever. But uh, that, having said all that, doesn't matter. I did <laughs> not watch those. I saw the next Marvel television series that some of you also have so, uh, watched. I think all of us here. Uh, Hawkeye. Uh, or Hawk Guy, although they don't make that joke, and I was very sad. Um, so Hawkeye is a character that I really didn't care much about growing up, watching or reading Marvel comics, reading West Coast Avengers, even uh, at various times when they had crossovers. Um, but I definitely, since uh, I think it's been about since uh, the Fraction and Aha series, which very iconically reinvented. Clint Barton for the um, the modern age in, in a sense. Uh, I have not. I, I have actually get, been more of a fan. Uh, also, the way the Ultimates depicted him, uh, Marvel Ultimates, kind of also set the tone for the Clint Barton you see in the MCU uh, yeah. as this assassin, former whatever you know, vigilante assassin kind of like role. But um, uh, Hawkeye the series, uh, which was made by Jonathan Igla. Uh, showrunner who has done not a lot of stuff people probably know other than maybe Mad Men. He, he was one of the writers, not the pr- primary showrunner, uh, and was a producer on Bridgerton, which uh, we talked about, I think. Uh, but again, not not uh, key key. So this is actually one of his first like major, major, major successes that um, like he owns, I guess, in some ways. But uh, it's a six part, I think, six parts uh, Marvel yeah. limited Disney Plus series. Uh, stars, of course, Hawkeye from the MCU. At least the 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 main Hawk. Let's say the, the the current and Avenger Hawkeye, played by Jeremy Renner, Clint Barton, and introduces uh, an actress that I had only seen in True Grit, and have since gone back and watched some of Dick uh, Dickinson, which I do want to give a little side reference to uh, Haley Steinfeld, who plays. Uh, one of actually my favorite young Avengers, uh, Kate Bishop, who is also known as Hawkeye. Now in the series, she's not um, Hawkeye. She, she's named just Kate Bishop. In fact, uh, one of the characters, Yelena, constantly likes to say her full name, which is great. <laughs> but um, but she in the series doesn't quite earn the name or or only maybe by the end. It's implied that 
that might be coming, but only because we kind of know uh, there's actually a great scene towards the end. Uh, what were you going to say, BJ? She was uh, she was also Gwen Stacy in Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, I didn't. Well, even better. So I actually yep. have encountered four. Uh, so the reference I will give, by the way, Haley is the star of the show. Like there's a lot of great things in, in Hawkeye. I will go boldly forward and say with my hot take that she is amazing. Um, and I, and I love her in Hawkeye. However, have you guys, have any of you seen Dickinson yet on Apple TV? No, no, seriously. I don't recommend a service often for one show and Apple TV's had foundation and a few other great shows. So I'm not, and Oh, Ted Lasso, of course, Ted Lasso, everyone loves Ted Lasso, (laughs) but if you have Apple TV or even if you don't go get it, it's like, it's cheap. It's like five bucks. And also this is coming from someone who hates Apple largely and mostly have made a point of my life of uh, eschewing any Apple products. However, Dickinson, a show about Emily Dickinson that Haley is Emily in is probably one of my favorite shows of all time in the last however long. It is so good. It is so amazing. And it recontextualizes all of her poetry and, and, and in, a, in a very uh, like the great kind of a anachronistic sort of way, uh, but is delightful and so awesome. And I highly, highly, God, please just it, it, don't watch Hawkeye. Go watch the Dickinson <laughs> show. Then you watch Hawkeye. But no, uh, Haley's great. She plays, she is Kate Bishop. Like she earned it, like totally. Um, but this cast, there's so many good actors that they found from all over the place. Um, uh, Eleanor Bishop played by uh, Vera Farmiga, uh, love oh her, love Eleanor. I in the comics, it's, she's like, eh, she's a villain, whatever. Uh, Jack Duquesne, Tony Dalton, total revelation. I didn't make the connection at first, and it's been a long time since I encountered this character in the in the books. But the swordsman, like key to Clint Barton's uh, history as a character, the swordsman, and that's who uh, Jack in this uh, series is is basically kind of playing. Uh, I have also, I, I think I said this earlier, actually I didn't mention it, but I didn't see Black Widow yet, uh, the new Black Widow or the movie. So I don't. Oh. I had not seen Yelena. This is my first encounter with uh, Florence Pugh. <laughs> oh, she's so good. Oh, oh my I God. love her. Love her and her relationship with uh, Kate. Uh, you know, like that is probably my favorite moments in the show are anytime oh, yeah. those two are hanging out and that frenemy undertone of just uh, you know so so all of that's great much less of course you know the amazing uh you know jeremy renner uh and also and, and she might be um, i've never heard her before i don't know what show she's been in but uh the actress who plays maya who is uh, echo in the comics maya lopez alacqua cox like uh amazing also fantastic did a great job as uh, as echo totally in my head now um, and her father, oh my God, have you have not seen uh, Re- Reservation Dogs, not Reservoir Dogs, the TV show Reservation Dogs, uh, or you've probably seen this guy in um, Westworld as one of the uh, Indian, the, the an Aboriginal American uh, in the Westworld stuff, uh, Zahn McLaren. Uh, plays her father, uh, Maya's father, and he's great. He's not a huge role, but he's he's also great. And I cannot. I've got one more reference, one more one more person to mention. <laughs> this is true to our Orlando roots as a show. If you have ever spent any time in Orlando, if you listen to real radio, you know the monsters of the midday. You may not like the monsters of the or, or the monsters of the morning. They used to be monsters of the midday when they started, but monsters of the morning. Black Bean, Carlos Navarro, 
a local radio personality who I think actually, and I have, I have only heard it in passing. Like he is the host sometimes, or he's filled in as the host or whatever. He is in this as one of the tracksuit mafia guys, one of the bros. And I just lit up because he shows up in random things. He gets like, you know, these be sort of bit parts in a lot of television and movies. Uh, but also really great because the, the tracksuit mafia is one of my favorite parts of the, the Hawkeye series from uh, fraction. So, um, Oh my God. Like to such a delight. The plot is kind of convoluted. So I don't think we need to re- recap the whole plot, but basically it picks up with uh, the stuff that uh, Hawkeye had been doing during the blip as Ronan and sort of the repercussions of that. Kate Bishop, obviously kind of obsessed with him as total fangirl finds herself embroiled in his Ronan legacy. Hijinks ensue. Uh, you get a little bit of the fraction vibe, including the bros and the pizza dog. You get this glorious LARPer thing, which is, <laughs> I don't think from the fraction stuff, but it totally sounds and feels like it could have been. It's, a lo- an, it's, it's an homage to um, Hawkeye's past. It, there's a whole group of um, circus of like circus performers mm. that are kind of antagonistic with him. Um and that's what those characters are, or that's what they're like an homage to, including Bombshell, who is a character. Yeah. The that's the whole point of like them bringing up that whole the bag and oh, my wife had it embroidered with Bombshell and all that. Yeah, it's oh, it's, okay. it's not a fraction thing, but it's a Hawkeye like history thing. Well, because Grills is from the Fraction stuff. Grills is a yeah. character in the Fraction. So the Fraction book, go off and read it. You'll see stylistic and visual nods, and you'll see Pizza Dog, and you'll see Kate and, and Clint having this great team up throughout the series. Like, great stuff, but it does only use some of that DNA, and then it kind of goes off. Um, but it's all set during the Christmas, uh, run up to Christmas. Of course, Clint had been having a lovely vacation with his family, not his wife. Uh, which we'll talk about, Laura, uh, uh, conspicuously absent for uh, reasons unknown. I don't think they said uh, at any point why. However, uh, he's having a great vacation, but then this all comes up and has to kind of go off and then unfuck the situation. Um, there are I mean, things she that... She didn't want to go see Rogers the Musical. Well, fair. <laughs> Which would... I mean, oh. listen, it's bad, but did we all Not say since, for the- since Spider-Man turn off the dark? Has there been <laughs> less people got hurt during this one, though? <laughs> so we all stayed through to watch the, 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 the whole number at the end of the series. Oh, yes. <laughs> Adam Pascal from Rent. I know Pat probably was very uh, on, pleased Roger. to see Roger I mean, that was in- out. Yeah. I, I think reprise his role as Roger. <laughs> I, I think it was, it's like there evidently was a real Captain America musical like thing brewing at one point. And I don't think they took anything from it other than that as an idea, as an inspiration. But it was, I don't know, it's not my certain Broadway, uh, you know, favorites, you know, but uh, it's it cute. Anyway, uh, there's just so much here that's so good. Like, what do you guys think? What are your favorite moments from this, uh, so- this series? So, um, so first of all, Maya is getting her own series. Echo's getting her own series. Yep. Um, honestly, for me, I like after watching the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, watching Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye literally just have people walking up and giving him free shit all the time makes me be like, well, that's some bullshit. Um, <laughs> uh, but 
it's it's super interesting because it it was so it was I had some really I had some slight issues with a couple of things throughout the phase one of the mo- phase one and two of the Marvel movies. Like they always presented Hawkeye and Black Widow having this like super ultra close relationship. And they're like, you know, they're each other's people. Like she's a part of his family. It's just super important that um, like he, she named his son after her. And we never got to like see a lot of that on screen. Um, so it's super interesting to kind of see, especially when him and Yelena actually sit down and talk. Um, and one of the things you might've missed out of Brian is that, that whistle that he does, that is, uh, Yelena and Nat's like call to each other. They made a reference to that during their, their, their fight. Yeah. So that, uh, so that's, that's a bit, that's a big thing. And the fact that a lot of, we're ever since Black Widow aired, everybody was like, did she not tell him that Yelena was a thing? So you didn't, you had no, like, you're kind of thinking if, if he knew she had a sister and he knew she was probably dead and so she lost her like one little bit of her family she has left he lost his family it was kind of a dick move for him to go off on a murder spree <laughs> instead of being like hey nat you cool like what's up like he he effectively he made her go out and like hey stop murdering people um so it was I mean, really it was grief does weird things to you sometimes exactly. you go murder organized crime bosses Sometimes you put up a bubble and trap everybody in a sitcom. <laughs> I mean, grief affects people differently. Yeah. So it was, but I, but, but by the time they had their conversation and talked and everything, that whole thing definitely made Nat and Hawkeye's relationship like full circle to me. It made me, it made me be like, okay, these people like really there for each other also i love the break we're getting i think i said this in my in my uh in my encanto talk um we're finally getting some of the more modern mc we're getting the mcu street level stuff um because we've it's just been getting bigger and bigger i mean loki time time and reality was in trouble or is in trouble now dr strange multiverse is going to be all over the place it it's nice to finally have uh kind of a continuation from stuff like Black Widow and the Falcon and Winter Soldier, which has a little bit more of the espionage roots. Um, I absolutely love the fact that uh, Vincent D'Onofrio popped back up and just like slid right back into the role. Um, A little bit more comic-y with with, uh, Kingpin, but I'm completely okay with that. Um, It's... Uh, I loved Echo. I, I honestly, I think I loved every single character. I did want to punch Jack in the face every time he smiled. Um, <laughs> he's just way too smarmy. Um, I love that we finally got answers on Laura's deal. So Laura's deal, they kind of hint that she's a disavowed um, uh, shield agent, which means she can't really go out and about she's kind of confined to the farm they kind of hinted that a little bit 
I didn't catch that she's confined, but she's definitely a former or maybe current and inactive shield agent. She's shield agent 19. She's agent 19. She's agent 19, which from the comics is, is um, a mockingbird. Mockingbird. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this because I love the mockingbird and shield. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, come on, we're not getting we're not getting Shield. Uh, <laughs> we're not getting, we're getting Shield. We're getting the Netflix stuff, and I get why uh, there's but a it's whole. Still not, it's not going to be the same stuff. Like, and I'm cool. Like, if they get Adrian Palicki back, they could do what they're doing with Hawkeye and have the Mockingbird title be something that can be passed on. Yeah, you know, so you give Hawkeye. The relationship with Mockingbird that they had in the comics with Laura, and then you can have a Bobby Morris that comes in. You can get Adrian Palicki to come back and and be the Mockingbird that we knew from Shield, in essence. You know, but the fact that she was, you know, when I when I heard the the, the theory that she was going to be a Mockingbird because of just how quickly she was able to find out information and just be yeah. like, all right, here's uh here's that info you needed within like hours. Like I was like, okay, I would be totally down for her as Mockingbird. And I missed the 19 on the watch. And I was like, are we just not gonna know? And then I <laughs> I, I looked it up or looked I pulled something up and it was like Agent 19. And I was like, oh, okay. Totally in now. I, I'm just I'm excited for that and just well and, it may not and be, so, it may not lead anywhere, but it's it was exciting for the show. Yeah, and just just to note, the Netflix shows are not canon with the MCU. Well, no, 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 no. Somebody said yeah. that. I think it was um, James Gunn. James Gunn said this, and it's it's not it's not conclusively determined what the canon canon is. God, I can't even say it now. Canonicity. <laughs> it is it is they're in a gray area and clearly by bringing in the actor who plays well uh, who, you know uh, D'Onofrio who's fantastic and the rumors that Charlie Cox is going to show up at some point which I guess he didn't in Spider-Man I don't know I still don't know I haven't seen but like I mean do you do you want that spoiler I don't care uh, yeah he's in he's in okay. home so so, so like, literally like within days you had D'Onofrio back in as Kingpin and then a day or two later Charlie Cox's Matt Murdock. So my guess is the writers of the MCU stuff going forward are only going to step on that material as much as they need to and not try to say, ah, did it happen? Do you know what I mean? Like it's going to be this sort of, and, and, and they're going to bring in, I would fully believe at this point, we're going to get Luke Cage. Eventually we're going to get Jessica Jones. Eventually we're going to get those pieces in some form. We may not get uh, uh iron fist. That, that may not happen. Yeah. <laughs> They can forget that one. <laughs> I don't. I don't think we're gonna get um, Mike Coulter as Luke Cage. Really? Don't, you don't I, think so? Yeah, I, I don't think so. It doesn't. He isn't it like evil? Isn't that the show? Yeah, like, yeah. But if they offered him a movie deal or a, a an MCU show, and that like he could probably swing it. You know, I, I don't know. know. I, I mean, I'd want him back, and I yeah. want Jess back. If Kristen Ritter is not Jessica Jones, I will flip a table. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like if they were willing to rehire uh, Vincent D'Onofrio and Charlie Cox, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure if they have plans to bring Jessica in, um, I'm pretty sure they're at least going to approach Kristen Ritter because, like, it was she was too good, absolutely too good. But no, just, just well, just for my 
to finish up my stuff though but it honestly it was just refreshing to kind of have the street level stuff um i love kate bishop yelena i i want yelena in like tons more projects um it it feels like they're kind of inching towards a um thunderbolts movie or tv show um which yelena is a part of um so it'll be interesting to see that crop up um but uh, also, since she's an assassin, I'm sure she might, she could pop up in the next Shang-Chi movie. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was – I loved – absolutely, absolutely loved it. It was everything I could ever want from the Hawkeye show. Also, so I, I wanted to sleep with the entirety of the tracksuit mafia. I'm not even <laughs> I'm not as big of a Thunderbolts uh, uh, reader, knowledge-wise. Um, I know that that Ross as Red Hulk, like I know that there's a couple different iterations of it. Um, but would Thunderbolts or Dark Avengers be more apt for what they're what they're putting together with US Agent? Is it no? What is a uh, what is you know it is US Agent, right? Is yeah, yeah, Walter... yeah. Okay. Uh so US Agent, you've got Yelena's widow, like they basically have they're the counterparts of all of the Avengers that they're, you know, kind of lining up. So we're looking at like young Avengers. We're looking at dark Avengers. We've got the Avengers in some iteration coming out of uh, Endgame. Um, what's where, because I, I know that Thunderbolts gets thrown around a lot. What's kind of the difference between Thunderbolts and dark Avengers? So Thunderbolts, uh, Thunderbolts. So think of Thunderbolts as Marvel Suicide Squad, um, and the it's sanctioned by General Ross, but it's actually the missions are they uh, are run by Zemo. So Zemo yeah. is the tactician for the Thunderbolts. The, the, this real the story of Thunderbolts at its core, and so the, this is the more modern thing that BJ's talking about, is that it was a superhero team that came out of nowhere. And it was a bunch of villains or or combination of villains and former heroes being misled by Zemo to be a superhero force called the Thunderbolts. And then and there's a big storyline where it was a reveal that he was actually evil and da da da. So I don't know if that's what they're doing with this. I do think that that's interesting and I'd love to see it. And we have a Zemo, so that would work. But I actually am seeing this. Uh, what's your name? Um, uh, Louise Dreyfus' uh, character. Val. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, Madam Contessa. Hydra. Uh, Contessa. 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 Yeah. I, I see that maybe being the more Dark Avengers sort of angle or or maybe Thunderbolts. And then she's the, the Zemo kind of person. I don't know. It's interesting what they're building. And I, I, I don't know. I'm excited about whatever pieces they're putting out there, but uh, it could go any different direction. And it may not really be something directly from the comics as much as a, an amalgam like much of the MCU has been. So. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I see them piecing together essentially the opposite or the, the kind of like the bad side of each of the Avengers. So dark Avengers, I think would end up being a little bit more, although I'd be interested to see how some of them would comport into, into the, uh, the MCU. Eric, what were some of your takeaways from uh, Hawkeye? Um, Haley Steinfeld is amazing in everything. Um, I loved her. Um, 
just the how she dealt with the fast paced dialogue of it. Her acting with Vera Farmiga was amazing, especially it was it episode five was the opening to that episode when they were having the heart to heart in her room. Um, the acting that both those ladies did was fantastic. Um, I wasn't as much of a fan of Echo. I don't necessarily know how she can carry a show herself, especially if, spoiler alert, she shot Kingpin at the very end already. So where's her big bad? That's um, that's actually pulled from the comics. I didn't know this, but she blinds him by shooting the gun, like shooting him in the face. So there is a potential for him to be blind going into the Echo show. So he would be blind and she would um, be deaf. Be on the run. So kind of like that, you know. Yeah. And and I and and Marvel hasn't missed yet with the TV shows, so I'm certainly willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, and I'm sure it'll be great in how they do it. But I her character didn't speak as much to me. Um, but that's whatever. I thought she acted it well. It just didn't the character as a whole just didn't speak. Yeah, to me I as don't. Much. I don't um, love her in the comics as much, but you know, the big thing with her recently is she became the Phoenix. She's like the she Phoenix. took on the yeah. Phoenix force in Marvel comics uh, in the last six months. It's kind of crazy. Who hasn't been the Phoenix? I, at this point, right? But everything with Yelena and Kate was amazing. The dinner and the elevator scene um, were just both standouts. Um, pizza dog. Oh my gosh, pizza dog. Um, lucky. Um, and the Rogers musical was terrible, and <laughs> I hope it closed early. In I, uh, which it wouldn't have because it was pop culture, and I'm sure everyone would have gone crazy for it. Um, I just hope it never sees the light of day in real life. Um. Let's see. Overall, I think it was a really good show. I, yeah, it was just fun, and that's what I wanted from it. Sweet. Yeah, I mean, I y'all really just hit on pretty much all of the the, the high points for me. I did not go into Hawkeye expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. Honestly, I'm I, I kind of feel like it's second only to WandaVision for me this year in Marvel television. Um, Six episodes was really, really a sweet spot. They probably could have done another episode and fleshed it out a little bit more with Kingpin at the end. But I don't think for as much as he was kind of like meant to be the big bad, he really, I'm glad that they didn't focus on him being the big bad. And it was more, Eleanor's relationship with him and how it then related to Kate and how they kind of resolved that at the end of um, the sixth episode. I, I think that that was a better way to go. Well, Marvel, I think they, I think it was just that they want Kingpin for future stuff and oh, that he sure, wasn't sure. really supposed to be the yeah. end all be all for here. But I mean, you know, tying him to, to Maya like in the comics and then having him kind of be the person that 
Eleanor was dealing with. And then Eleanor, like the only thing that I, I was a little confused on is if Eleanor was the one that hired Yelena, that means that she went to Val because Val was the one that gave Yelena the assignment in the post credit scene for Black Widow. And it just, it's something didn't feel like it connected, right? Like, well, I think I read somewhere that that after credit scene was shot after a lot of the filming was done for Hawkeye. So it wasn't just, so it's kind of weird, timey wimey, where it wasn't necessarily in place when the Hawkeye storyline was written. No, and that's fine. But like, I mean, yeah, well, I guess then you wouldn't have Val, but then like, why have Val be the one that's delivering the brief if she's not like, it just, it felt weird. I mean, it wasn't a a make or break thing for me. I mean, any Val is everything for me. So put her in, put her in there, give her, give her more people to go recruit and send on missions. I'm fine with that. Like I'm down. Um, Seeing D'Onofrio back as Kingpin was great. Like we all knew, you know, we, we we had a real good feeling that it was going to happen, and then when it happened at the end of episode five, it was like, okay, cool. Like I'm glad that this is happening. Um, to see him and then to see Charlie Cox back is Matt Murdock. Uh, Brian, I think you are mostly right. I think they will utilize some, but I have a feeling that they're going to kind of use those series as a way for people to get to know the character without really having to use any of that information or any of those storylines. So it's kind of like these exist, you can watch them, but you really don't need to know any of this stuff because it's not going to matter. And I'm mostly okay with that. I, I'm, I think Jessica Jones season one was amazing. And I would really love for that to still play a part. But I feel like in a in a world like this, somebody from the Avengers would have known what was going on. But again, I mean, they could just be dealing with such large scale issues that these smaller street level heroes kind of go unnoticed. And if that's the case and they, they still bring in some of that stuff. Awesome. Because I want to see those characters back. Um I'm probably in the vast minority, but I did not mind the Iron Fist show. Um, I mean, I did forget that there were two seasons. I don't know how that happened, but I'm like, that one season. Oh, there were two? I watched it. Don't remember. I uh, like it. I like it purely for Colleen, Colleen Wing. Like, oh, Colleen yeah. Was like the reason I, I liked Iron Fist. I mean, I... Yes, I liked Colleen. I did not have a problem with the show overall. Yes, we could talk about how shitty the fight scenes were with uh, uh, the guy that played Danny and all of that. and That's fine. But I I still didn't mind it. And I would love to see more of these characters appear in in Marvel. But overall, I thought it was a great show. And it really actually made me enjoy Hawkeye. Made me excited for the fact that his wife is a mockingbird. And uh, Kate Bishop fucking chef's kiss fantastic job so yeah i i those are my takeaways any uh last thoughts on hawkeye before we wrap up this convo sweet well if you haven't done so already dear listeners go check out hawkeye all six episodes now streaming on disney plus 
Dear listeners, thank you so much for another fantastic year. While you are perusing the internet, why not head over to flameonshow.com, check out where you can find us on all of our social media platforms, and check out our uh, Threadless shop and our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash flameonshow, and uh, join our community at any of the four levels that are available. That's flameonshow.com and patreon.com forward slash flameonshow. All right, so this is the part of the show where we normally do our one-ups. And in past years, when we've gotten to this point of uh, December, we've done recap shows, we've done clip shows, uh, we've done focuses on what we enjoyed in the year. Uh, But this time around, we wanted to touch on some of the more current pop culture. Don't worry. I'm sure that if you've gotten to this point, you're like, how have they not talked about No Way Home? It is coming in our next micro. Brian, like I said uh, earlier, has not seen it. So either he will have seen it by the time we record that. Otherwise, uh, he won't be a part of it because he wouldn't have seen it. But we will be talking in depth about No Way Home. There's lots to talk about, um, including the mid credit scene, which actually was a mid credit scene. And then we got treated to the trailer for... Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And we got our first look at America Chavez. Oh, so exciting. So we'll uh, we'll talk more about that in our first episode of 2022. But we wanted to share with you all our favorite bit of pop culture from the year 2021. And I am going to throw it over to BJ to kick us off with uh, your favorite bit of pop culture from this year. Um, I have anime. Um, I have recently kind of been getting bit, uh, into a lot of anime series. Um, a lot of studios have been knocking it out of the fucking park. Um, as far as animation quality goes, um, just some top mentions. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, um, is almost uh, the best way I can describe it. It's like Ghostbusters meets like um shang chi it's it's uh it's it's got a lot of really cool concepts um uh so if you haven't seen it it's all available on various streaming platforms uh the movie jujitsu kaisen zero uh came out in japan christmas eve so i'm sure it will be up for streaming within the next month or two or will be in theaters i'm not quite sure yet uh, and also, for those of you that have stuck it out, uh, One Piece has had their 1,000th episode. Um, and the current animation quality for the series is absolutely phenomenal. It's gorgeous. Lots of political intrigue as far as, far as the story goes. Um, and then my other top mention is uh, we are getting the final arc for Bleach, the Thousand Year Blood War. Uh, that is coming out in 2022, um, so I am beyond excited for that. But uh, anime this year has been a nice surprise, um, and also um, Chainsaw Man. Chainsaw Man should be dropping um, 2022 as well, and it is phenomenal. I read the manga, and it is phenomenal, so I can't wait for that as well. All right, a good year in anime for BJ. Gotta love it. All right, Eric, what you got? So I have a couple runners up as well. Uh, first of all, we mentioned Apple TV earlier, and another outstanding show on that was Schmigadoon. 
um, <laughs> because I am the musical slash Broadway gay on the cast. And it was everything to me. Um, all of the old references to the old um, golden days of Broadway. And it was just cute and funny and witty and uh, Christian Chenoweth can do no wrong. Um, my other uh, runner up. And the only reason this isn't my top is because it's a continuing game that I'm sure I'll talk about more next year. Uh, but the new expansion to final fantasy 14 Endwalker came out, which is putting the end on this huge first arc of story. And, um, the main story was incredible and it ended amazing, but I'm excited for the patches to come out and more future content for the game. Uh, but kind of my favorite of the year was Arcane, um, which released on Netflix this year, which was the League of Legends uh, animated show, which I think the reason this is number one for me is just because it came out of nowhere. It's a property that I was never really interested in. Um, and just the story the voice acting again led by Haley Steinfeld as V or Vi uh, rather um, everything the animation style is just beautiful and the world is engrossing and it doesn't make me want to play League of Legends but makes me want to know more about League of Legends the universe at least uh, but that's my top pick for the year nice so we get it over to Brian. What you got as your top pick for fave pop culture 2021? So I had a hard time with this because uh, the last two years has been a bit of a blur. <laughs> I had to like go back and like actually <laughs> cheat and read a list of other people's uh, picks. So I have my main and I'll talk about that in a second. But real quick, I just want to give an honorary mention to the fact that Britney Spears is now out of her conservative <laughs> conservative ship like like but but that's and that's great news except that the whole story of free britney and the evolution that it took through this fan group into a documentary series on i think it was hulu and we talked about it in the you know in one of the past episodes and then the fact that it has kind of come through full circle and actually resulted through that and you know the the news coming out since uh, in that she's now her dad is gone uh her assets are still sort of protected but like long story short she's got her own life back like that's a pop culture um uh moment let's just say uh that is kind of un- unheard of especially conservative ships are really hard to get out of so uh i just want to mention that as a as a 2021 success story if you will but um in terms of my own uh, pop culture uh you know whatever uh consumption i think i would be remiss to not talk about Fortnite, and i know it's ridiculous for a 45 year old man to like talk about this video game that is uh something that i play mostly with like 10 year olds i think whoever Ugh. whoever's Ugh. out there playing on fortnite against me but i mean yeah. i insert vashimi uh meme of hey there fellow kids <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and i i don't <sighs> thank you i don't, I don't think you. about it I don't think about it actively while I'm playing every night uh, to get my uh, my my XP and try to climb the ladder that is the uh, 
uh, getting the skins and the dances and all the other crap that you do when you play that game for uh, the battle pass. But I will tell you that over the last year through chapter one or sorry, chapter two into chapter three, uh, all of the other pop culture uh, elements that have come in Marvel in a big way, DC in a big way, the matrix uh, walking dead. uh, I mean, you name it. Epic is building the metaverse like we saw in ready player one in a very tangible way. Like you talk about Facebook having meta and the metaverse and all the shit they're doing, but but Fortnite's actually doing the thing that everyone is all into, at least from Ready Player One, that, that was called the Metaverse. So I'm I'm a part of that in this dumb way where I run around and explore and kill these, you know, lobbies, they call them, these these kids out there playing this. But but I, I, I will say for Fortnite, it's more than that. There is this storytelling that's evolving that is kind of fascinating. You see new plot points throughout this loop deathmatch uh, battle royale kind of system but there's still plot and the end of chapter two beginning of chapter three in a pretty big way brought in some major talent including the rock not that you know he is like the end all whatever but like a pretty big personality and is now a big part of the game in the new chat the new chapter so i just if you're if you're not a familiar with Fortnite, your kids are no um or your grandkids in some cases. <laughs> um, but like, there's a lot going on that's actually really interesting from a storytelling perspective in the guise of this kind of repetitive uh, loop of a game. So I'm just saying, as a pop culture thing, we're remiss to not touch on it. But there are so many other great examples of this uh, uh, that have been also talked about on the show and, and are out there. So I, you know, uh, it, do what you want, but if it is free, and I'm just saying, if you wanted to play, uh, we have a Discord that our patrons get access to, and we have occasionally uh, had little team ups. At least uh, Matt Brossard, a friend of the show, and I, and maybe a few others have jumped in there. So I'm just saying, if you you want a Fortnite buddy, let me know, and I'm happy to happy to run the lobby with you uh, out there and kill ten year olds. <laughs> See, so so you mentioned the Rock. But how are you going to not mention there's an Ariana Grande skin? Oh, my and God, there you're were, right. There were roving teams of Ariana Grandes just laying waste across the land to other teams. So. She's not on my radar as much, and that's <laughs> probably my bad gay, take my card, whatever. But, like, the concert that she did wasn't as good as a Travis Scott concert a couple of years ago, which, by the way, now is a problem because Travis Scott, you know, blah, 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 all that. But... Like it was still a pretty cool event, and I don't love her music. I think it's some of it's okay, some of it's just the eh, pop, whatever. But the concert, the little music video interactive thing, that's also an area where Fortnite's really uh, pushing uh, some interesting boundaries. But yes, you can totally go around and either be the Ariana Grande you've always wanted to be, and or get killed by the Ariana Grande you've always wanted to be. <laughs> Uh, I love I love in queer culture and other it just intersects with this ridiculous game. So uh, thank you, BJ, for that uh, that addition <laughs> to my, uh, my my pop culture of the year. Wow! wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, so for mine, I would be remiss if I did not bring up the re-recordings that Taylor Swift is uh, currently in the process of doing. She released Fearless Taylor's version and Red Taylor's version. Um, Red is so good. 
(laughs) (laughs) They, if you are not familiar with the story at the end of her 13 year contract uh, with big machine, she was not given a chance to buy out her music and the masters to her first six albums. Right. No. Yes. 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 First six. Cause then lover was seven and then folklore evermore were eight and nine. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and in the process, she does not have the rights to, um, her, her masters. So she found a way around that. And, uh, so is to not deal with scooter Braun, the manager for artists like Justin Bieber and who's worked with a lot of other, um, big names she figured out that she can re-record her albums and then that way she would own the masters to those and has um begun the process first two albums out were like i just mentioned fearless and red um there's a lot of fan speculation as to what the next one will be uh everybody's clamoring for 1989 uh re-recording uh, but the signs seem to point towards speak now being the next to get the uh, re-recorded treatment, which would then leave 1989 and uh, the eponymous debut album, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, because I think there is still a little bit of time that's needed to pass before she can re-record Reputation. So that will definitely be the last one that gets uh, released. But she is not only re-recording the albums with the tracks that were on them, she's also re-recording or recording essentially for the first time tracks that were cut during the writing sessions for those albums red got released as a 30 track uh cd two four vinyl records i I don't know there's a a lot out there but uh we also got the 10 minute version of all too well where jake gyllenhaal got dragged through the mud repeatedly for the better part of a couple of weeks um i know that we mentioned that and again it's to this day Living rent-free in my mind is the one tweet where it is uh, the album cover for Red Taylor's version and the uh, Far From Home Spider-Man movie poster. And the tweet just says, same villain. Uh, Rent-free in my mind. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, But the fact that she's doing this and kind of shaping the music industry in the way that she is and kind of showing that the power that you can have as an artist to make sure that you retain the rights to your artwork is fantastic. She love her or hate her. She has done a lot for the music industry and she's done a lot for artists. She, um, notably and famously, uh, pulled all of her music off of, uh, I think it was Apple music and possibly Spotify because of the amount that they are paying artists per stream on the service, on the platforms. And, um, has helped to kind of change that a bit and and then put her music back on the streaming platforms. But anyway, that was uh, that was a huge one. But for me, it's, it's less a pop culture uh, thing, but the platform, I've actually grown very fond of Paramount Plus. Uh, Paramount Plus for, for you Race Chaser listeners out there. Um, <laughs> I did not know that I needed an all-drag singing competition like... <laughs> Queen of the Universe, which is coming oh, queen, to a Queen close. of the Universe. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's that lives rent free in my head as well. Uh, 
the fact that this show it started with 14 queens and they cut that shit down there's like six episodes they're like we are crowning a winner this year but we just started it and just, nope nope we will we will do this maybe maybe this was the series that was filmed in 10 days <laughs> Maybe. Can we can we check with uh can we have Bussy uh check with Willem on that? Possibly. Um <laughs> yeah, they're going through they were they are cutting queens left, right, and center. We're down to our top three, and it's uh but it's been a great show. Like I'm impressed with with how it is put together, and I'm excited to see another season of it. So I don't I'm sure that it will get greenlit for season two, and I can't wait. Um, I also, in the course of this year, yeah, it was this year, um, we all know I binge-watched 40 seasons of Survivor at the beginning of the year, <laughs> but I also, and I watched season 41 now, too. I'm, I'm, I'm up to date. I was, I'm it was hurt. a good season. It was. I was not mad about this season. I liked the uh, the shorter season, like the 26 days, and it, it kept the pace up a bit. And the fact that they read the, the the actual votes and did the reunion on site because of COVID, that was pretty cool. I didn't watch the reunion, but, you know, because I only really watch it. I didn't it. either. <laughs> I watch it to see who wins and that's it. Um, but I also fell back into the challenge, something I had watched years ago and then came back to after I watched all of Survivor. And the one thing that I did not know I needed in my life was the Challenge All-Stars, which premiered in April of this year with season one. We're currently in season two. This is your real world and road rules cast because now they've obviously expanded out into more um, reality shows because the two shows that started it don't exist anymore. But these are your older cast, ma- uh, cast members, ones that were back on the show back in the day. And they not only know that this show is catered towards my generation in getting the people that we grew up with watching these shows, but the music. And I think I mentioned it on the show back when season one was airing. The music is so spot on of like 90s into early, early 2000s music that it is like it's such an essential soundtrack to my life that when they start playing music, I love it like it is just amazing nostalgia and feels and just yeah i i i'm i'm stoked that this is a thing that exists um paramount plus honestly like it's become one of my favorite streaming services and uh it may not have a ton 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 of things that i will watch because they have five or six different networks worth of of tv from Nickelodeon and CBS and and uh, MTV and VH1 and all of these these uh, networks that are all under the Paramount umbrella, but the the content that they've put out, I am very much a fan of, and has made my 2021 uh, a bit brighter for it. So I appreciate that. Not me over here trying to act like a, we got a sponsorship from Paramount Plus as I extol their virtues. <laughs> <laughs> But by all means, Paramount Plus, if you would like to sponsor us, we're game. I ain't ashamed to uh, try to get some extra cash and a sponsorship. But with that, dear listeners, we want to thank you for sticking with us and being a part of our journey as we navigate uh, year two of the pandemic, the pandemic Lovato, the panorama. Pa- the... Padme Lakshmi. Yes. <laughs> I think that's just her name. 
<laughs> but yes, we we're we're thankful to have you, and we're thankful uh, to spend another year with you and to go into 2022 with you. So be safe out there, and until we meet again in 2022, Bobby Bye. Happy New Year. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.